Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cast Dice, the podcast that explores the greater weird and wild world of tabletop gaming that uh, we are currently sort of living in. It has been said, uh, probably mostly on this podcast, that we are in the middle of a gaming renaissance. There are just so many good games to play right now. It is sometimes hard to know where to spend our hobby dollars or our hobby time, which in some cases can be more precious. But we do like to have the guests on the show to talk about the games that they enjoy playing, just the games we love, but also to talk about big events in the gaming industry. Now, we have spent, you know, some time talking about some big things that have been moving and shaking, but uh, today I thought I would bring in an expert. Now, you will have heard me talk about this man sort of indirectly in kind of directly a lot in recent months um the uh, i don't want to give away too too much right away but this is a man who really does have two if not three fingers firmly on the pulse of the gaming world uh at least from the australian perspective or i should say especially from the gaming perspective so, joining us this fine evening is our good friend Brian Holland, who is the community and events coordinator for Good Games Victoria, who has been traveling the world, looking at all the games, and is here to report back all of the awesome things he's seen. Brian, welcome to Cast Dice. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it's good to know that you actually have a podcast. What was your <laughs> yeah. podcast website again? Sorry, did I get that? C A S T. Sorry, that's a deep cut joke from another podcast. Yes, to really, is. really isolate that small Venn diagram in your listenership. <laughs> that's all right. Yeah, man. Um, uh, yeah, so the, yeah, apparently on the dwellers, it's become a uh, for those who are interested in that joke. Uh, on the dwellers below the uh, Warhammer Fantasy Battle slash uh, Age of Sigmar podcast that I occasionally appear on, um, they've they've recently uh, started just uh, basically since I'm a shameless self promoter when I'm on that show, um, <laughs> I, they just do it for me now. And so at least once every episode, you start hearing in the background C A S T, just like I do at the end of this episode. In fact, I had uh, Nick Cohen on a. a I don't know, a month or so back, maybe two. I think it was um, four or five episodes ago now. Yeah, God, time yeah. flies. Yeah. But uh, at the end, I started to actually do that, and he laughed, and he, he didn't actually realize that's part of my show exit. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. So uh, for those of you who have been listening um, for a while, you know that I've been running a lot of events. Well, not a lot. I mean, I've run a few events recently, and I'm looking to run another one soon, which we'll talk about later in this episode. Um, but I ran Operation Wolf, and I ran Operation Bear, both of which were at Good Games Melbourne. Um, and I talked about how Good Games Melbourne has been renovated, um, how it's really well lit, well laid out, well stocked. The staff are awesome, and they really do go out of their way to, you know, really promote events, promote, you know, promote the hobby um, for a ton of different games. Uh, but more than that, it just they really seek you out and help you to run events. Um, in just a really welcoming and nice way that, as a TO, makes me want to run more events. And Brian, that's largely you. So yeah. um, thank you. 
Well, I mean, from my perspective, Brad, it's pretty, it's very hand in hand. Uh, I don't want to say that I'm particularly selfish or anything in our relationship, but uh, you wanting to run events makes my job easier. So when you get down to it, like my job, uh, to, you know, get down to brass tacks is just to make sure there are butts in seats at our stores. Mm -hmm. So uh, obviously uh, having, you know, a good rapport with people like yourself uh, is, is really good. Uh, particularly if you want to run events in our stores and also just making the events that you run as, you know, good as possible and uh, helping you in every way we can to make sure you have a great time as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're just all about, I mean, I'm not trying to, I don't, I don't think I'm here as an official Good Game staff member, so I'm not, I'm not too on the uh, on the clock or anything. But um, basically the goal is just always to get people playing games as much as possible, you know, and having a good time with you know fair costs good prizes so yeah uh, yeah i was like i i didn't actually i wasn't working the day that you ran operation bear but i did pop in to check it out and uh oh gosh it was it was a lot it was great like yeah. really really good good event very uh, evocative was the word i would definitely use like it, it like i've got a big pile of russians yeah, uh, soviets do. i should say i got a pile of soviets here uh that i that i'm terrified of beginning to paint yes. <laughs> but after going to operation bear i was like yeah man i really want to do this i really want to get amongst that stuff which is good because um also like it's a twofold thing after you've been in the store more often we, look we've got like two of our staff members now playing bolt action and loving it and also guilt guilting me for not having played it yet because i'm just so time poor but yeah yeah well speaking of time poor and uh loving games and uh, i'm it, sure you it, cannot relate at yeah all. well <laughs> yes but uh you do the same thing back because um you are a very large part of my uh recent very strong itch to play age of sigmar um you have like really got a a, a nice young and up-and-coming scene for that game going on in your shop um and you just i mean you've recently run now i know we talked about it on this cast um and we talked about it on the dwellers cast as well um, the Blue Dragon GT was run through your shop, and I know you went all out to have a good, um, I don't even know. I mean, it was a two-day, it was a full event. Mm -hmm. I haven't attended a proper two-day tournament in a long time, but you had amazing prize support. You really went out of your way to give people a premium gaming experience. Um, and that was just really awesome to see. I just, I can't commit to a two day right now, but I was there both days, um, as yeah, a friend and hanging yeah. out. Yeah, man. But it was great to be in that atmosphere and you really brought it together. Um, do you find that sort of, you had to do a lot of community building to get Age of Sigmar 2.0 off the ground or was, were there a lot of Age of Sigmar curious folks and was it just a little poking a prod or did it take like serious you know, crowbarring and enthusiasm well, to get people in the door. Luckily, the, the uh, well, I should say luckily, but it's probably two-pronged. But the thing with my job is um, if there's something that I really like and I really want to play, I can sort of make it the focus of my efforts. And in a way, it's sort of under the guise of, you know, I'm just trying to do my job. But really, it's quite selfish. I just want more people to play this game that I really yeah. like. Uh, so it was sort of well before um, AOS 2 was announced, but I sort of conned a few of my friends into playing... Um, Age of Sigmar 1 and mm -hmm. getting amongst it and sort of enjoying it and then it was sort of when AOS 2 launched it sort of reinvigorated a lot of the old guard like we've seen with the Dwellers folks and yourself um, as well as just with all these new products and it being everywhere catching the attention of new people too so the community we've got at Good Games um, 
Melbourne and in our Box Hill store as well, uh, a lot of them are like newer players. And it's, it's really good because what I liked about that is that essentially we could cultivate a very fresh community. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm sure you may agree with me that while uh, there's, there's many fond memories of, you know, the old school uh, wargaming groups and clubs that we've all been members of for years and mm-hmm. then the scene and the community. But there's, there's also some things I think in the, the wider, um, not necessarily just the wider wargaming community, but I think the wider Warhammer community that uh, maybe just aged a bit and we could probably do without. So being able to get into a community where we can sort of just really freshen up, be like, hey, this is how we want to play our games. Mm-hmm. We're all here to have fun. We want an evocative uh, experience with, you know, well-painted models, um, a strategic uh, go at each other and that's what we sort of really got into it because mm-hmm. um, I've come from uh, I came from War Machine really uh, and I, I won't go too deep on that you had a very good conversation with Lee mm. quite a few episodes ago when he went deep on explaining the, the War Machine that's right. um, and then I sort of fell off it I can't, I can't really remember exactly why I think it was because the, the tournament scene was getting a bit much mm. um, but when I first sat down to play Age of Sigma. I thought the the same thing that a lot of people thought initially was like, oh god, this this game is four pages of rules, yeah. like everything's just all over the place. And obviously, when AOS first launched, I heard all the stuff online about look at all this dumb, broken stuff you can do because they mm-hmm. haven't even tested the game. But when I came in, it was sort of after they'd launched the General's Handbook, yeah. the first edition, um, the, the first General's Handbook they did, and uh, I, I had uh, I was really just drawn because I was playing a bit of 40k Eighth Edition at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was drawn to it because I was like, well, this really cool box that comes with a bunch of Nurgle demons and a bunch of Sigma dudes. And look, I, I, I won't play Age of Sigma, but I can use the sweet demon models in 40K. You know, that's what I told myself. And then obviously I sat down to play a game of Age of Sigma. And the first thing that I, I realized was just how objective focused the game was. Yeah. So, and that's what I really liked. And that's what I was missing because War Machine is very, very objective focused. Um, and I really like the idea of being able to sit down opposite my opponent and not having the determining factor being who gets to kill more of the other person's models. I still yeah. remember, I think it was my second game or something when I was playing against somebody who had a bunch of Beast Claw Raiders. So their entire army was maybe 10 models, you know, Ooh. big models. And they sort of, they said like, oh, I can't really win this scenario because I can't hold the objectives. And I said, yeah, you really just have to try and table me. And they said, well even if you score some points and I table you, you know, I, I, I will only get a minor victory. I'm like, oh, don't you score automatically? He says, no, because you, it's, points still matter regardless of whether or not you're alive, uh, which is you know, really cool. And that's how I sort of sold it to a lot of people who were playing other games. So I had a lot yeah. of guys who were playing 40K and they were liking the models because obviously GW, I mean, whoever, even if you don't like GW, you cannot tell me that they don't have the best models in the range right? right. In, in, in the world. Like they do the best models. Like that's not really up for debate, I don't think. No, um, Yeah, and... Uh, so like, hey, you're liking 40k? I don't want to talk to you in a different game, but you should check out AOS because mm. uh, while 40k 8th does have a lot of really cool things going on, um, there were still very much some of those, uh, you know, those things that I, I, me as a player I don't like as much, which is just like, hey, the best way for me to win this scenario is to ignore the scenario and just murder you. Yeah, um, and that's not, at least for me, it's not as fun. And and I, and I, I like, I've had um, some really good games of Age of Sigma that have really come down to the wire and it has really felt tactical um, as much as some people will say it just came down to a dice roll as to who got the double turn. But <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's still, it's not, it's still not a perfect game, but no. I have enough fun with it. And I think it's, it's, um, 
core rules are still simple enough that mm. it allows you to begin thinking tactically faster. So in yeah. other games that are also very tactical, you've got quite a lot of core rules. So you have to, you can't even begin thinking tactically because you're still like, oh, am I doing this right? Is this what I should be doing? And that takes sometimes yeah. a, a number of games. So what do you mean, Malvo? Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's that's pretty much how it is. But no, I'm I'm very happy with the Age of Sigma uh, community we've got going. Yeah. Uh, I think people are just cooling off a little bit now after the, all this build up to our um, attempted GT. Um, uh, and I I think the event went pretty well. I got some really good feedback, some, yeah. some good constructive feedback as well. Uh, so a little bit of negative feedback, that's fine, whatever. Um, it's I've been doing this long enough now that you're never going to be able to please everybody, and I'm sure you're aware of that as a, somebody yes. who runs a lot of events as well. So Yeah, man. Well, hold on. Uh, let's talk about a little bit. Um, so you had quite a few people there. Um, mm -hmm. you, uh, you ran five games over two days. Um, you ran a series of missions um, from the new books because it was an Age of Sigmar mm -hmm. 2 event. Did you end up in the end, because I know this was one of those things, um, for those who aren't familiar with Age of Sigmar, you don't just build your army anymore. You build your army to an army list. I mean, you, you do the usual thing, but then you pick what realm it's battling in because Age of Sigmar isn't played in on a planet anymore. It's sort of played in... I mean, it's really gone sort of high-concept fantasy where there are these... Um, sort of dimensions and realms where you're sort of fighting through, but each realm has its own rules. Um, and I know it was really, it was one of those, because you really wanted to jump in when Age of Sigmar was first, I mean, it was first out, it was hot, Games Workshop wasn't necessarily throwing out the FAQs for this new edition as quickly as they had for maybe 40k. And so you're kind of having to make some tough decisions right off the bat. And those new realm rules, while they give you a lot of depth um, a, a lot of, you know, you feel like you're in those places, you're adding a lot of rules, especially for an event that is, in essence, going to be really noob-friendly because everyone's starting from scratch again. Um, as much as Age of Sigmar 2 was sort of an update of Age of Sigmar 1, there's some significant changes to how the game worked, especially when you start using those rules that might make, I don't know, make things clunky. Um, how did you sort of face that? Because that's tough for a TL. Well, yeah, that was one of the issues. Like um, when AHG of Sigma 2 was first announced, um, I got a bunch of messages from other people in the community saying, hey, man, it looks like the Blue Dragon is going to be the first like big tournament in Australia using the new rules. So I was like, oh, shit, that's great. Because as a lot of people who play Warhammer tournaments know by now, there is really no agreed upon way to do things like right. every tournament i've played that's been different like people have just thought oh we'll do tiebreakers on points killed uh, sorry uh, victory points we'll do tiebreakers on uh you know whatever you you know there's every tournament does things differently um so there's no real basic way to do things and and a lot of that is really I don't want to say it's the fault of GW because it's not like something they're doing on per not doing on purpose to upset people. It's just right. that something they're just not. They're not, they're never going to GW are never going to release a document being like, "Hey, here's how you run a tournament. Here's exactly how it works." Because they don't they want people to be able to do it freeform, I suppose. And as right. much as I would like them to do that, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. Like they came very close recently. They released a thing being like, "Hey, everyone's been asking about how things happen in tournaments," and they they pointed out a few things that here's how your tournament should work and here's what we suggest and here's what we recommend. But at the end they put, or, oh, you know, just do whatever you want. So yeah, yeah. it's, it's your, <laughs> they yeah. just can't commit to it. Um, so with the realm rules, I initially thought, yep, 
screw it let's just do all the realm rules let's do all the realm spells uh in theory like you should only have to remember the realm that you want to choose so because at the beginning of the game players roll off the winner gets to choose which realm the battle happens in so Mm. that means that in general you should have one that you want to choose right um so my theory was then everybody will just sort of figure out which of the realms and the realm spells they want for their army remember them and then, hey, if your opponent wins, then you have to quickly look over that particular realm. You don't have to learn all nine realms or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then uh, after looking through the realms and talking to some of the, my, my friends who work with GW and some other people, uh, we sort of came to the conclusion that it looked like some of these rules were were not quite balanced for, for matched play. Um, this was actually before the FAQ on a lot of the broken or problematic spells as well um Mm -hmm. and at the time uh you know people like i I made the decision not to do it uh i immediately got some messages from some uh, prominent tournament goers who were like i'm you know glad you did that because basically i was writing lists to exploit those realms and it was looking pretty miserable for my opponents and then i got a bunch of messages being like i can't believe you did that i thought this was supposed to be age of sigma 2 not age of sigma 1 so yeah. uh, and i was like look again it was one of those things nothing i could do would happen was make people happy rather yeah. and um the other reason i made the decision was just from what you said there's going to be a lot of new people there and i knew what my community is like a lot of new people i'm just gonna be able to make it as easy as possible like hey totally. i want to make this accessible there'll be some people that you know aren't happy about it but i think i've got enough reasons to not use the realm rules and coincidentally we've seen other more recent tournaments like moab is not using the realm rules um then right. you've got the tournament out in bendigo in october which is using some of the realm rules like the realm spells um but they're changing the way in which they're selected. They're not randomly selected. You just attach them. You just choose the spells you want. You've mm-hmm. got those spells, which is another interesting way of doing it. I actually prefer that way, and I wish it was the official way to do it. But um, you'll never be able to keep everyone happy. No. Um, I, I think I think for what it was worth, we had, everyone had a good time, and I think there's enough differences in Age of Sigma 2 that even without those extra realm rules, um, it didn't feel like we were running Age of Sigma 1. <laughs> so Yeah, but I mean, that... I... I don't know. It feels like a game where that's not a problem. The community, I mean, you're getting different things. I, I still remember from uh, playing a lot, and I mean a lot of 40K and a lot of fantasy for years, and there was just those, okay, here's another event with the same point value and the same objectives. And for fantasy, it was even worse um, in my mind. I mean, it was great to... Was it just one scenario in Yeah, in for, for years it was just the same one. And then they did 8th edition, and you had, suddenly had variety, and it was great. Um, at least I thought so. But to be fair, after a while, all of those missions kind of got same-samey. You were still looking to, uh, in the battle cry of a lot of big players in those days, take it off. Like, I'm here to take off my opponent's toys and win. And you just go... Okay, that's really boring. And so I, though, you know, all my mates or, you know, most of my mates were really into those games and they were playing tons. um, And that was the culture that I'd sort of come from. When Bolt Action came around, I got really into the notion of, well, here's a game where I'm not just trying to take it off. Here's a game where, you know, you try and put some thought into, you know, the element of theming your army. Like, that's actually a thing. Um, mm-hmm. And where you're, you're, as you say, you're going for objectives, and the missions are different enough that you're actually not just playing the same game over and over and over again. And 
you do actually need to factor some of those things into your list building. The second, and that's that for me, that's one of the big things with the game. And like a game like Malifaux or Bolt Action really gets me for it is that the missions really do kind of push you. Um, you, if you're if you really want to play these games and you want to play them well, you need to factor in the missions when you're army building. And I like that about Age of Sigmar mm-hmm. too. You really need to think about, ooh, do I have something that can claim this objective? Ooh, or do I have something that works in that scenario? Oh, do I have a bolt action army with twenty five order dice? Sweet, I can you know that gives me you know the the dice bag. Uh, you know, the uh, the edge, I have a more of a chance of having my dice pulled. Yeah, but your units are probably pretty fragile and small, and you're probably going to start, you know, you're really going to suffer in some missions. Now, in an objective-based game, can you hoard, you know, units all around objectives? Yeah, probably. But if your TO or tournament organizer is running something, you know, thinks about that in advance... There's going to be submissions where kill points matter too. And if you're running that list, I can take a lot of your toys off pretty quickly. And mm-hmm. that is a liability for you. So, you know, people trying to game the system actually have to rein it in and think about it. Um, as you say, when you were talking to some prominent people in the scene, when they were like, oh, cool, I can abuse this. Um, and it's not necessarily that they're necessarily trying to make, you know, a, a, you know, be a bad person or make a negative game experience for their opponents. I think it's just they're trying to play, you know, a, a solid game. They want to give their opponents a good game, and they they want to try their best. I guess. Um, and you want to—they're just people who want to win most efficiently. Exactly. And and, and like, and that's that's fine. And um, Warhammer is one of the games where that can that can get you know quote unquote filthy, and that's why you get other tournaments mm-hmm. like the the prominent 40k tournament that happens here in Victoria every year that I've forgotten the name of where. Um, Arcanicon? I, th- I think it's that one, and I believe that's that's the one where, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but where you submit your lists and the judges will give you, um, or the TO will give you a, a penalty, basically, if the, you know, they look over your list and they're like, oh, this looks like filth, so you start with negative points. That would um, be Arcanicon. To, yeah, to encourage, and, and that's, that's, cool. that's yeah. cool that they do that, but, um, you know, it's also... That's that's you know a, a quote unquote fault in the rules if that's something that has to happen because you know but like these GW games have yeah. so many moving parts across all these different armies and factions that yes. really to realistically properly test them is uh, is really quite bonkers yeah um, so yeah exactly yeah. well all right uh, look um, I teased at the beginning of this episode that we were going to talk about your travels and here I am <laughs> twenty five or almost twenty five minutes in and we haven't mentioned them once so. Let's, because um, I feel like this is really going to tie into sort of what we wanted to talk about tonight, which is um, sort of gaming in general. And I know we've been mm-hmm. doing sort of a hop and a skip and a jump around the place, but let's, um, let's see if we can get even more crazy. Um, why don't you tell us where you've been and why you went, and uh, from there we'll go where we went. So you've got you had the big you have the big adventure. Tell us all about I, it. I did have a somewhat large adventure. Uh, well, I mean, it was a six day adventure in total with a lot of flights in there. But uh, I yeah. uh, I went to Gen Con this year, which was good. It was my second time at Gen Con, but it was my first time at Gen Con on uh, somebody else's dime. So oh, it nice. did feel significantly better. Um, yeah. So I went uh, with. 
with good games i sort of sent them a pitch saying like hey you should bring me along to write things about uh, the convention for you uh i mean it sounded better than that but yeah they yeah. uh they said yes so they brought me along and i was essentially there to do coverage so i was uh scouring the um the exhibit hall uh talking to game designers talking to people demoing games um i went to the big fantasy flight in-flight report uh, as a press press member, which was great because yeah. you got got to sit up right at the front and, and talk to people and get some free Keyforge decks on the way out, which is mm. good for anyone who's excited for that. But um, Gen Con, have you ever been to Gen Con yourself as a, no. as, as a Mary? No, not even when you were living, you know, the drive away from it. Yeah. So, yeah, well, here's the thing. Um, I, I was a filthy casual player for years and years and years, and I played, um, my friends and I ran events and, uh, you know, for ourselves, and we would play little games, little big games, and we played all these games. And then when I went to university, um, it was right about the time that I moved, well, I went to university in New Orleans, as you know, and Woo! I spent, yeah, party time. Yeah, I, I um, love it there, too. But at the time, there wasn't much in the way of gaming down there, um, not in the conventional tabletop manner. There was a lot of role-playing. Um, there was a lot of LARPing. It was the 90s, so Vampire was huge. Mm -hmm. um, and everyone was reading Anne Rice novels and dressing like vampires anyway. <laughs> so LARPing, like live-action role-playing, it just made perfect sense in that setting. Um, there were whole bars for it. It was great. Um, so you like I went down there and I was at that point really into 40k and I really wanted to play and I was reading the white dwarves religiously but I didn't have anyone to play I was still painting the models I know there's that that lag where people talk about oh I discovered girls and then I didn't pick up a games <laughs> workshop model for six years and then I graduated university and then I found it again and no I actually <laughs> kept going um and my freshman year yeah, freshman year of university, ninety four. Just, just, just for your uh, Australian listeners, listeners, is that your second year? Sorry. I don't know how these. Sorry, sorry. Work. Good. Thank you. I always forget. <laughs> so it was my first year of university. I was okay. down there. I was. Um, so I went to uni in New Orleans, and I was. I was down. And I was like, yeah, this is great. I was having a great time, but I wasn't playing games. Um, I was painting a whole bunch of the new Chaos Space Marines at the time. I was really excited and. Um, and Games Workshop put in its White Dwarf magazine, first ever gonna be held United States Grand Tournament. And I went, yeah! And I skipped class and um, because you had to call and buy a ticket through mail order. Like, and there <laughs> was, was a, 1994. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. It, but there was, there was, a, there was like, I, I don't remember how many tickets, but it was a small number. And you actually, and it was hundreds of dollars. And it, you basically rented a hotel room for the weekend. Um, and the tournament was in the ground floor of the hotel. And you basically stayed in, it was an all-inclusive venue. Um, where, where was it though? It was in, in, it was in Baltimore. A so, Baltimore. Oh, Baltimore. Sorry, I should have yeah. said that. So um, I, I got, I, I, skipped, I skipped class. I got my tickets. I was all excited. Um, and I flew up from New Orleans to Baltimore and I was petrified. I didn't know what to think. I'd never played in a greater gaming experience. Um, so I sort of walked in, uh, and at the airport when I was getting my luggage, um, I ran into this guy. I mean, literally we were coming from different directions and we bumped into one another and, you know, I was there with my 
you know, flight jacket covered in patches and, you know, my ripped ska t-shirt and, you know, my, you know, kind of ska punky kid. And, um, I ran into this like old school punker with, you know, covered in spikes. And I mean, I don't know how he attached the spikes to everything that he had them attached to. It was intimidating. Uh, he was a big dude and he looked at me and I looked at him and he had a Warhammer magic box under one arm and I had a GW or not a GW. I had a gun case in the other hand and he looked cause back then GW didn't make figure cases. And I looked at him and he looked at me and I, I looked at it and I said, G grant tournament. And he went, yes. And I was like, yes. And he was so, um, and he, so he was playing fantasy and I was playing 40 K and we stayed up all night painting because neither one of us were even close to having our armies done. Uh, and it was amazing. It was fantastic. But that was my first large game experience. But um, I did that a couple years, and then the guys, the staff who ran the Grand Tournaments got to know me quite well, because I always stayed the night after, um, and that was their night to relax. Because um, a lot of them got, I guess, the Monday off in lieu or something. So we would always drink and play board games at the bar, because um, I always flew out. Uh, Monday morning because I there was no way I was going to make the one flight to New Orleans back on a Sunday night. I'd have to yeah. miss the end. So um, I got to know those guys really well. And one year um, we were doing tequila shots and playing Kill Dr. Lucky, um, something like that. And one of them turned to me and said, why don't you like you're a perfect match for us. Like you are one of us. Like, really? Why don't you work with us? And I went, I, don't know. I just you graduated. Yeah, well, I just graduated uh, like a there. month before, <laughs> and they were asking me, What are you doing? And I was, I was like, oh, I'm a bartender now, and I don't really know what I'm doing with still my life. Living in New Orleans at that yeah. time? Yep. Still, yeah. I was working on Bourbon Street as a bouncer and as a bartender. Um, mm. And they looked at me and went, well, Quit that stuff. Like, yeah, that's great and all. And I'm sure you're, you know, girls and alcohol and fame and fun, but. Games Workshop, and I went, oh, Warhammer, and uh, yeah, I interviewed and got the job and moved on. But anyway, um, long story short, and sorry, that is a very long story. And now you have a podcast. Now I have a podcast, but no, um, yeah. <laughs> I started going to a lot of events for Games Workshop, um, but I was in sales, so I never, I was never in the promotions division. Um, I did a lot of working with shops, um, working with chains. Um, I got sent out to the Mall of America for uh, a long weekend or part of a week with part of a sales team to demo, um, and we built a ton of demo games. Um, I went on the battle tour back when GW used to have, like, you know, the tour that would go from shop to shop to shop to shop across the country. Um, I did stints on that. And so I spent a lot of time... At Games Day events, I used to get sent up to Toronto quite a bit. Um, spent a lot of time hanging out at Grand Tournaments because as a staff member, I wasn't allowed to play, but they were all, all my old friends. Um, but I, I never got into game conventions as a whole. Um, I don't know why. I should have. Uh, I regret it not doing it. Um, but I never really had the, felt the need till I moved down here. Um, and then I went to CanCon. And it was massive, yeah. and it was big. But as big as CanCon is, it's nowhere near Gen Con. So no, tell us. So well, yeah, tell us a bit about kind of, it. It's kind of twofold, though, what you just said. So like CanCon is really big, but at, at CanCon, at any one time you have, geez, it's been a few years since I was there. What at least two hundred people playing games, something like that. You well, know, and, like and, a lot of the forty k. I think forty k has over a hundred players. I think well, you're just is alone. You know, just in those yeah. halls. So, like Gen Con is still a um, 
a big gaming convention and people go there to play but i i wouldn't say that it is quite as for, like i said i've only been twice but um you get really a, just a stronger sense of uh community there's people that go to gen con who have been going for like 40 50 years yeah. right and it's not so much like when people talk about going to cancon here they're talking about well oh, i've got to get my cancon army ready mm-hmm. you know i'm excited for this event um but when people talk about going to gen con they're talking about the whole thing they're talking about meeting up with their friends who they only see at gen con and yeah. and to really sort of paint the picture of it um for those of uh, our Australian listeners who might have been to PAX Australia, this is really the closest thing I have to sort of compare it to. If you take the um, the exhibit hall for PAX Australia, which is huge. combined, it's sort of it's, it's huge, and it's 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 like the Melbourne Exhibition Building, and it's the entire building, um, and then it's split half into half. So you got one half is like tabletop with like some tables to play and mm. booths to buy stuff at, and the other half is just all the video game section. Um, literally double that. So one one of those yeah. is like just the exhibit hall where you can just you can walk around every 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 time I've gone it's been four days, and I walk I spend the majority of the time in the exhibit hall like this this last time um, definitely the majority of my time was in the exhibit hall because I was you know trying to network and mm-hmm. get interviews and I still did not see everything that was there That's like awesome. it's you, you it's, it's great you know it's kind of like again like a twofold thing because you know you want to see everything but you definitely miss out like there was one great game that I saw this year and I was talking to them I'm like oh you know when did you when did you launch they're like oh we launched Gen Con two years ago I was like oh I was here I just didn't see you and I feel like I really should have noticed this you know yeah. um but the other thing that's huge at, at Gen Con is is role playing. Yeah. And like the the role playing market in Australia is definitely had a boom in the last few years mm. with D and D Fifth Edition. Like there's lots of people and lots of you know D and D has now become what Magic was a few years ago, which is you know as I described as a gateway game. You know, like mm-hmm. so like D and D and D is so accessible and it's so widely regarded now thanks to you know things like Critical Role on YouTube and. And uh, even tabletop, like uh, the Will Wheaton video thing, yep. and, and it's just so sort of ingrained. People are like, oh, I'm going to go. And uh, it's the McElroy Brothers podcast. Is it the Adventure Time or Adventure? I'm not sure. Some podcast that yeah. every, everybody listens to, and they're like, oh, I want to go play that game now. So you get people coming into the game stores now, and I see this because I work in the game stores um, who have never been into a game store before. They don't know what Warhammer is. They don't know what um, Magic: The Gathering is, even. But they're like, hey. Um, I came for D&D. Um, there's a really cute story. Like, it's a, don't want to get too tangential here, but I think I think you'll appreciate this, Brad. But mm. this this 14 year old girl came in with her her mother, and she they explained like, oh, it's her birthday, and they were down from you know somewhere in the country, and it just happened to be. Um, comic-con that weekend and they yeah. didn't know and you know and i explained to them what comic-con was and this girl was just so excited because you know was there was some like b-list celebrity who's on a soap opera that she watches who was going to be there <laughs> and she was like nearly crying because she was excited that she might get to meet this guy or whatever and then she says to me oh i need a dungeons and dragons starter set and i was like blinking at her i'm like this 14 year old girl just asked me for a Dungeons and Dragons starter set, and I and I sort of had to clarify. Just you know, I'm feeling like a bit of an asshole because I was like, I'm just gonna have to ask this girl. If she's sure she knows what she's talking about. Yeah. I said I said to her, Oh, have you played D and D before? 
like, do you have friends that play? And she says, no, no, I just really like Stranger Things. <laughs> so, yeah, boom. Like, which is funny because people, like, of your ilk or, you know, uh, who watch Stranger Things are like, oh, this is so reminiscent of, yes. you know, your youth. But then you've got people from, you know, my generation and younger who are watching it being like, what is that game? Can we go do that? That looks cool. And, yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, so at Gen Con, I've got these videos and images I can show you. There's a whole ballroom. Think of an actual full ballroom like huge and all it is is about 200 tables of people role-playing and i got talking to a guy when i was there the other yeah the first time in 2016 i said to him like oh man like i can't imagine coming to like this thing because it's in indian indianapolis yeah. which is always described to me by americans as a flyover state <laughs> like when i when i tell americans that like i rent you know at the airport like oh where are you off to i'm like oh, i'm going to indianapolis they're always like why? why what is there yeah. why would you be going there like yeah. it's so i said well, yeah, like why would you spend all this money coming to gen con because obviously everything is inflated as well so hotel prices are off the chain mm-hmm. um and, and then you would you know spend you know a, a whole day just sitting here playing dungeons and dragons and this guy who i just met said oh man like i've been coming to gen con 10 years and all i do is role play for four days straight that's awesome. I was like, yeah, I said, that's great. I'm like, but why? He's like, I never even set foot in the exhibit hall. <laughs> like, what? Like, it's what he says. He's like, I never go in there, man. There's nothing for me. Like, my role-playing guys are here. They're people that I only see at Gen Con, and I come and role-play with them. And, like, you know, as I'm sure you can attest, like, being an adult, you know, and mm-hmm. a nerd and being time poor, like we were talking about at the beginning of the episode, yeah. um, you know, if it's time poor for you just to find a day to play a game with, like me even, you and I keep trying to find time to Amen. play a game. We can't do it, right? Yeah. Let alone trying to role play by finding four other adults with commitments yes. <laughs> to regularly. So he's just like, yeah, I just get to come do this four days straight and it happens and it's great. Yeah. But there's, it's, it's a huge convention and it's really great. Everybody is so lovely. Um, you see some really weird stuff, which is great. Like you just, pe- people yes. say, oh, it must be like PAX because PAX is the only sort of tabletop slash video game big convention that we get in Australia. But it's kind of like PAX, but it's it's really something else. Like you see, yeah. there's a guy there who is a actual dentist. Like he's a real dentist, but his booth, he is dressed like a Victorian age vampire. Mm-hmm. And you can book in time to sit there and he will sculpt fangs for you mm-hmm. to wear and he will sculpt them out of the same material that they use to make dental fillings. So they actually look like, so you'll come along and he'll sculpt them for you however you want them. He then puts them in the weird thing, the heater thing that sets them and you come pick them up and they are bespoke fangs. And I'm just like this, I'm just so happy that we live in a world (laughs) where this can exist because, you know, it's, it's, it's really great. Like particularly for me, I mean, you mentioned in the nineties vampire was being huge, but without, without being too hyperbolic, uh, the second edition of vampire that came out in the early noughties, like 2003, 2004 is pretty much the reason i'm a nerd and i am where i am today there like had I, had I not got into that game like there was a lot of things but going back even further like in 1998 it was my kid at school i mean you were well beyond this i'm a bit younger than you yeah but uh there was i was in you know second or third grade something like that and there's a kid at school who had been to the hobby shop in the little little tiny little uh forested 
town I grew up in the country mm-hmm. and he had this tiny little box and I'm like what the hell is that what are these cool things he's like oh this is Warhammer I'm like what is Warhammer so yeah. you know that's that's really it all comes full circle I never thought you'd play Warhammer again but you know here we are but yeah um Gen Con is a really really sweet time it always goes so fast um there's things there that you will not see anywhere else and I would highly recommend yeah. if you if you have the time anybody listening if you're thinking about going to a convention overseas it, the only the only neg to it is that it's definitely, and this is why I think it appeals to people like you and me, Brad, is that it is a jack-of-all-trades convention. Like, it's not like, yeah, sure, there is a little bit of Guild Ball, there's a little bit of Infinity, there's a little mm-hmm. bit of Warhammer, there's, but, you know, there's there's no, like, oh, look, there's 600 people playing 40K because we're at Adepticon. Like, yeah. there's no, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not like that. Um, but for me, that's what I like because I play a lot of games and I'm really easy. I'm always looking for new things to look at. Like, yeah. there's this fantastic game that I've seen there each time I've gone now. Um it's called Arena Rex. Have you heard of Arena Rex, bro? Yeah. The, <laughs> yeah. The, um, that game looks sick. Yeah, the <laughs> like, Gladiator game, right? Yeah it's, yeah. it's like, I mean, I had a demo of it in 2016. Mm-hmm. And since then, I've started playing Guild Ball. And, like, I mean, I, I don't want to get too political or anything, but it does feel a little bit like Arena Rex is a what one Guild Ball in a lot of ways. Oh, really? But it okay. Is, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in, in terms of functionality, yeah. Um, but, hey, like, you're not kicking a soccer ball around. You're, like, you know, fighting Medusa, and you're throwing lions into pits, and, like, it's it's cool. And you only need, like, five models each, and, and these days, That's awesome. again, I'm sure you can attest, like, yes. um, all the games I'm looking at, I'm like, oh, that game looks cool. It's up my alley. Oh, and you know what? It's got a low model count, which means yes. I can paint it, and I can start playing soon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then after huge commitment. Um, what do you mean, Kill Team? What do you mean, Ew, Kill Team? How excited <laughs> are you for Kill Team? Oh my god! I like. I was just. You see those rogue trader things that are coming out? Oh god! So okay, we'll talk about that in a minute. That's yeah, that yeah, is well, a tangent just, too far. All right, <laughs> we're gonna hold that. Bad. I'm gonna. Yeah. I'm, I'm putting a cork in that one. We're coming back <laughs> yeah. to that one. Yep. But yeah. yeah, no, man. Like, you look at. I I, I love events. Uh, like I I love walking around um cancon and one of my favorite things about going up is i went up with my old game uh club crew uh and we would go up every year and play and i would play different games but some of those games um like the warhammer fantasy event was an eight game tournament over three days uh and it was spaced out and it was a slog but you got to play eight games of fantasy in a row And it was awesome. And you would just like, yeah, this is great. And when am I ever going to play the eight games of fantasy like this? You know, in a row. Never. And not with that many players, not with the terrain, not with everything lined up. Just perfect. And it was great. And it was the after hour gaming and that social atmosphere. And you get to play the people you never get to see Mm -hmm. um, as you're talking about. But man... You get to know so many people doing that that when you look around, like every year now that I when I go up and I haven't been in a little while, but I went to Moab last year and I was like, ah, oh, it's Dallas. I haven't seen Dallas since CanCon. Hey, how you yeah. doing? Or hey, um, you know, it's my cruise. How you doing, man? And you start talking. And it's like, hey, I know you. I know you. I know you. And it's that. It's that. That it's community. Yeah, and it's, it's community that extends like over generations man if you i mean i'm, I'm still re- like I'm, I'm still when i say young i mean in years and also in terms of my duration i've been on the wargaming scene but like you like you're saying you're saying you know all these people and all that but um like for example uh, i was a bit uh disingenuous before when i said that 
Gen Con is double the size of PAX. It's probably even bigger. Because oh, yeah, it's huge. This, this year, the, fir- the first year, I didn't even get to go through all the tunnels and stuff, <laughs> which, are under- which are underneath that actually link the convention to Lucas Oil Stadium. Oh, Jesus. Uh, if we have any, is it NFL, NFL fans? Is it the National yes, Football League? That's the, it. Yeah, NFL. NFL fans who will, will know the that Lucas Oil yeah. is the Colts. It's this huge, you know, football stadium. And they take out all the all the grass and it is just a nerd den. Oh. Like it's just you go out there, the entire and this is where they put all the historics. You know, so you go out onto Lucas Oil Stadium and you're on the on the, the ground. Uh, and you've got the stadium right around you, all the seats. And there are all these men in their, like, 60s and 70s sitting there playing historics. And I got chatting to them, and they're playing this, I don't know what the, what the hell system it is, right? It's some, the, the model, the model's like the size of your fingernail, yeah. there's 50 on a base. And the, the, the tables are like, you know, 12 meters by 4 meters. Mm-hmm. And there's four guys on each side, and they've each got, like you know, their own clipboard and they've got all, and you're just staring at it. I'm like, I have no idea if they're even playing or if they're just talking to each other, but yeah. they, they, they will come to Gen Con. They will spend the first day setting up the game. They will play the game for literally two and a half days because oh. <laughs> that's how long it takes. And because it sounds like they're just, it's four people on four and they sit there when it's their turn, they sit there and they talk tactically for like an hour and a bit before deciding what they're going to do. To mm. me, that sounds miserable, <laughs> yes. but I'm really, really happy that they can do it and they do it every year and they come and, and yeah. like, seriously, like at this point in their lives, I don't want to get grim or anything, but they probably don't have a whole lot else going on. They're probably yeah. like, yeah, that's the four days a year I get to go with my friends that I mm-hmm. see in Indiana and I get to go and I get to play this historic war game that no one knows what the hell it is. And and they dress up. I saw a couple of guys dressed up, you know, in the three horn hat and the mm-hmm. all that nonsense. You know, it's 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 really just, it's, you know, wholesome. It just feels really wholesome. Yeah. Like it's, it's good. It's, it's a good, it's a really good time to be a nerd, I think. Like I was lucky on that. I was sort of on the cusp like i'm not sure about you were you like getting beaten up and stuffed into the lockers in the 80s because you were a nerd and like people you know people taking your comic book money um, like this eh, there's a little bit of freaking geek uh mixed in with that you know when you got yeah. fire when you go to the all boys private school for one year that happens to be the like one of new england's prominent ice hockey you know prodigy like schools and you don't skate and you have shoulder length fire engine red hair and you wear combat boots with your suit, it doesn't tend to go well. Um, <laughs> especially when you grew up in Japan and you really didn't know the rules of gridiron, uh, sorry, American no. football at that point, yeah. and you've been conscripted on the football team because you were the right shape and size, and it was like, this is really bad. Um, yeah. Hey, I learned how to fight, um, but yeah. um, <laughs> true story. Was it you, was it you that was telling me that you've got uh, you've got scars from going to that school, but not scars from bouncing on Bourbon Street? Yeah, true story. Yeah. Um, I have yeah. never chipped any of my teeth. Oh, no, I did chip one of my teeth getting hit with my own maglite once, but um, <laughs> I, I literally have no scars from bouncing on Bourbon Street and from you know, being in charge or working security or being in charge of security for big, crazy ass concerts like whole biohazard, um, uh, uh, Buster Rhymes back in the day, like in the nineties, like like big show, uh, Marilyn Manson, like big things. (laughs) And back, you know, when he was signed to nothing and it was like crazy crowds, I worked those shows, no scars. I went to that school. I got yeah, scars on my knuckles. In England, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway. God. Um, but, tangents. Yeah, no, it's, Sorry. It's, yeah. yeah. It's mm. good. But basically, yeah, the, the long and short of it is it's. I think it's a really good time to be a geek. I think the community is, is if on the whole, I mean, just like anything, there'll be problems 
somewhere but on the whole it's a really good time to be a geek i'm, yes. I'm really glad that you know um like this this concept of what i always called game shame like when i was in when i was in high school which was this was you know the you know 2006 2007 2008 um it was still kind of like oh cool yeah we're gonna go play warhammer after school um yeah i've got my i've got my codex in my bag um mm -hmm. gonna 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 make sure no one sees that you yeah. know because i don't want i don't want anyone to ask me you know about my tiny dolls that i gotta go paint you know yep. um but and then in that time since then it's just you know, and even a little bit after school, like, you know, I, I, after school finished, I was still a bit ashamed of it. But then it became, I don't know, one day it was just like, you know, you could jump it up to maturity as in being like, I, if you're going to judge me for what I do with my spare time, I don't have time <laughs> yeah, for you. Exactly. But like even seeing now like younger people who are in school, like it's just, you know, like I said, the 14-year-old girl who came to get a Dungeons & Dragons set. Yeah. Like if I told everyone when I was 14 that I was playing Dungeons & Dragons, it'd be terrible. <laughs> yeah. It would be terrible. But I'm, I'm really glad it's changing and it makes me very happy. Um yeah, I still yeah, remember, oh God, man, I remember, and I mean, the 80s, there was the original heyday of D&D, &D. maybe not the original, but there was a, there was a, a like, second ed D&D &D had an upswing, and I had all those books, and though I didn't role play tons, um, because I didn't really have people to play with, as I've talked about on this cast before, I sort of learned to read by reading game books and comic books, um, and that's kind of, like, that reading D and D books and reading Dragon Magazine and Dungeon Magazine was my wheelhouse for years, um, especially on my commuting around Tokyo. But I still remember I had a great uh, fifth grade teacher who hated me. Um, I say this as a primary school teacher um, <laughs> who couldn't stand me, and I was like, I was such a pain in her ass. But um, I she once asked me to get my math book out or something, and. It was this, and I looked at her and said, I'm, I'm sorry, um, it isn't in my locker, right, or isn't in my desk, it's in my locker, which was outside um, in the hall. And she's like, why is it there? And I said, well, I didn't really have room for it. And she said, well, what's in your <laughs> desk? And she was furious. And I was like, uh, I got a lot of stuff in my desk. What's in your desk? Open your desk. And she made me open my desk in front of the whole class. And it and my desk was literally top to bottom filled with Car Wars and Dungeons and Dragons books. <laughs> um, because we'd like for the I've been told we were reading that afternoon and I was like, OK, like, yeah. I'm not reading any of this school horseshit. I'm going to go read my books. Yeah. Um, and I remember getting shamed and I had a friend I ran into I hadn't seen since high school the last time I was home. But he brought that up. He remembered that experience. <laughs> and so it was it was just that. Like that was like, and she made me feel like, Shh, you know, I, I felt awful after that. Yeah. But, and you know, kids were like, oh, nerd, you know, blah, blah, blah. But when I, by the time I got to university, I think especially because I went to that all boys private school and, you know, I had a little bit of a, you know, punk rock chip on my shoulder by the time mm -hmm. I got to university. I was like, I'm surrounded by privileged white people. And people were like, you're a privileged white person. I say, like, no, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm a nerd. I'm a nerd. I'm a, you don't know what it's like. Um, and then, uh, so by the time I got there and, you know, people would come over and I would have, you know, the full painting desk in my room and people, you know, girls, guys, whoever would hang out, you know, parties would come in my room and you know we'd have you know golden eye events at parties that we'd hold in the house we always had golden eye running but people would walk in my room and be like oh my god is that warhammer and and they look at me like you play warhammer i was like yeah i play warhammer 
and I wore yeah. Warhammer t-shirts. Like I didn't hide it. I was at that point, I was yeah, I out and loud yeah. and proud. And I've been that way ever since. And it's like, yeah. there's no hiding this. I know some people are like, I was listening to, I think the honest war gamer. And he was talking about, um, the host was like, well, you know, you don't really talk about it on dates and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, nope, well, I play with man dollies. No, you got to put it in. It's in my, it's in my Tinder profile. Like there was, uh, I think it was yeah. when I was reading, um, I was when I was reading a song of ice and fire before it was game of thrones on HBO. Mm -hmm. There was a, there was a quote, uh, I think it was probably Tyrion said it. It was something like, you know, um, uh, if, if you, if you wear it like armor, it can never be used to hurt you. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah, that's true. If, if I just own it, like, what can you do? Yeah, like, exactly. you know, it's, it's fine. You're a nerd. Um, you know what yeah. I mean? like, yeah, 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 I know. Yeah, what, what else is new? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's good. Tell yeah. me about it. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas I was more of the, at that point, I, when I was reading those books, I was more of the. That's what I do. I drink and I know things. Um, but yeah. <laughs> anyway. Exactly right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm a little older than that now. But yeah, I'm sorry. I guess we're tangenting all over the place. But I mean, culture of, I mean, it, yes, we, I guess becoming a, a, a nerd, a geek, uh, whatever we mm -hmm. want to call it, the people who play our games, I guess it is a little bit more acceptable now. But I mean, I, I, there's always been pockets. There's always been communities. Um, sometimes they're less visible. Sometimes they're more visible, depending on sort of what's in in vogue. But um, I think that's I think that is the best part. People ask me if I if you know if it's like playing video games, and I go, Nah, I I like the community aspect of it. I yeah. like being able to. And for years, I was famous for you know yelling obscenities at my opponent while I threw dice bags at them. And yeah. <laughs> you know you can't do that over you know a computer. Yeah. Hashtag wholesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As I said, I, that was a long time ago. I've grown yeah. up a little bit since then. But um, you know, it, that just it just it is the, what it is. It's you know it it's it's that you know that it that I don't know just seeing people being part of it. It's so good. Anyway. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I I was going somewhere and I've lost my train of thought. It's been no, a long just, day of work and just, I'm enjoying this conversation too much. Yeah, no, I know I know how it is, and it just um no, it's just it's it's really exciting, good community stuff. But all right, yeah, let's, uh, let's, Gen, let's Gen Con's Gen Con solid. Let's go yeah, back Gen to Gen Con, Con for a second. Yeah, because yeah, you saw some stuff there, and we started you started talking about Arena Rex. Now I, I know that you saw some fantastic stuff when you were there. I know the new FFG deck building game. Mm -hmm. um, uh, no, it's not a deck building game. That's why it's so exciting. Okay. This is so. This is okay. So when I, I mentioned I went to the my humble brag is I went to the the press section of the um, in flight report for FFG and they had a big announcement because there was sus because normally in all, every other year they've announced their stuff like a week before Gen Con and mm -hmm. then Gen Con was the first time we got to try it. So everyone was like what are they going to talk about because they haven't announced shit there's no way they're coming to this yeah. convention spending however many tens and tens of thousands of dollars on their space and not announcing anything new um and yet so they bring out richard garfield uh who is the designer of this game to talk about keyforge which is this um it's not a deck building game it is what they have coined as a unique game and that is tm unique game oh, okay. um, i mean i've got my opinions on the group of people they paid to come up with the name, but that's fine. <laughs> uh, it's uh, right. called a unique game. So basically how this works is um, it, it's a game like any other card game. It's got rules, whatever, whatever. But what makes it unique is the distribution model. So when you buy a Keyforged sealed deck, which retails for $9.99 USD, 14 uh, $14 to $16 Australian, depending on who you buy it from, mm -hmm. um, it's a sealed deck, and that deck in that 
box that you buy is 100% unique. No two decks in the world will be the same. This comes down to the combination of cards that are in that deck, the art and name of the deck, which is printed on the back of every card. What? Yeah, there is a unique art on the back of every card on your deck as well as the name of that deck now some of the names do sort of read like they were procedurally generated and the art but and the arts and the color is all different so it's, n- it's not even like uh, you can sneakily like take a card from somebody else's deck and put it into yours because you'll know very quickly there's a different back of this deck um the game has like i think seven different factions each deck will be made up of three of them in any different combination um so there's no rarity there's no I, people are talking about there being a secondary market i don't really see how there can be a secondary market the first complaint everybody has is well what happens if you get the busted deck and like it's broken and stuff to which i say one um have a bit of faith in the designers they obviously thought about this yeah and and two um every deck comes with a qr code and the qr code is like so you open the deck it's 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 sealed in plastic um there's like the, the only thing you can see is like a, a a card which lists every card in the deck and at the bottom is a qr code with the name of the deck on it now they haven't announced how this is exactly going to work but when i was talking to ffg basically what happens is from what i can tell is that when you go to a tournament your QR code for your deck will be scanned in. So they, they have a record of you are playing that deck. And let's say, Brad, you come along to my Keyforge tournament at Good Games Melbourne on Wednesday night for mm-hmm. four weeks in a row, and you've played the same deck every week that I've scanned in, and you've won every week. So week five rolls around, I scan it in, and be like, oh, sorry, Brad, you're now starting with a handicap because this deck is quite good, <laughs> you know? So that's literally how it works. And they, they've also said that they'll have the ability to retire decks. So I fully expect when they have their world championship for this game, which, um, you know, FFG championship, like for, they got 400 it. something for Netrunner. So mm-hmm. they can have like, you know, 400 people there maybe. If um, the person who wins that, I fully expect them to be like, here is your trophy, here's your prize. Uh, that deck is now retired and can never be used again because it must be quite good. <laughs> like, you oh. know, so, but, and people are saying, but oh, but what if I like my deck? I can't use it anymore. Like, yeah. there's no reason you can't use it in a casual environment. Sure, you can't play it in a tournament, but you know what? You spent $15. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like, don't worry about it. Like, there's if you're building a, a, a constructed deck for Magic, you'll spend $15 on one card and need 60 more of them, you know? Um, I think this is really, really good. Like, for, no matter what you think out of it, the reason I'm so impressed is that FFG seem to be actually being a bit innovative in the particularly when it comes to card game yeah. industry because there's not a whole lot you can do and this this solves a lot of problems like i can teach you how to play this game in maybe 10 15 minutes and and hey brad like come to our tournament you know what oh you don't have a deck just buy one on the day man yeah, like exactly. it's fine like and then you'll be like sweet i had fun and then you don't touch the game for six months because you're too busy painting stuff <laughs> and then and then, mm. and then you and then you come in and and i'm like oh hey brad the new set of key forges out do you want to try it out you're like yeah sure is there a tournament today sweet i remember how to play I'll just buy another deck, 15 bucks. Mm-hmm. Have a good day. You know, it's, it's, I think it's really, it's super accessible. It's um, got great like replay value. I think it's going to be really good for retailers as well because the people who are obsessed with it are going to buy these things like their magic booster packs, yeah. except they're $15 each because they want to try and get the deck combination that they want or whatever. Um, and basically Richard Garfield said that uh, he wanted to recreate the, 
he didn't say the word magic because I don't think he was allowed to. But mm-hmm. <laughs> this other this other popular card game that he made, he wanted to recreate the feel of uh, the sealed format of that game. So sealed sealed magic, for those of you who don't know, is when you get six magic booster packs, you crack them open, you build your deck with that, and you've sort of got to work with you know the whims of fate. But obviously, as magic has grown into constructed formats, and now the internet has grown, what it, the, the magic has really gone against what his core ideals were. Because now, when it comes to a magic constructed tournament, you go on the internet and you'd be like, "What's the best deck?" Yeah, and you're like, you build that deck and you take it. And sure, there's a lot of skill involved in the piloting of that deck and everything, but. Garfield basically said that really goes against the spirit of what he had envisioned for Magic, and this is now sort of like it doesn't play like Magic at all. There are similarities, but in terms of like, hey, everyone's going to be an even keel um, as much as possible. I think it's really quite masterful. So I'm excited for Keyforge. So there's your Keyforge sales pitch as well. I'm I'm really excited for it as well. But you That's can that's uh, cool. Is it pre-order, pre-order is... at your local Good Games? Uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, when is it out? <laughs> uh, so um, FFG have said. October. Interesting. <laughs> we do not we do not have a solid date yet. So we'll have it by um, Christmas. Okay, got it. Yeah, well the other cool thing about being a press member at that in flight report is that I got to take home some decks because oh, they, they gave some people decks. So I can I can next time you're in I can show you what they look like. Mm. Um, but, but it's just really I think it's really a really, really cool idea. And even if it ends up for whatever reason being a total flop. I'm going to commend them because they did something different in an yeah. industry where, particularly in the card game industry, and hey, you know, to some degree in the war game industry as well, there not a lot of people are trying anything particularly different. Like it's, yeah. it's so, that I'm like hats off to you. Yeah, yeah, it it is. I mean, I mean, you look at games like Star Wars Legion. They're taking an yeah. established IP and they're taking mechanics from a series of games, a lot of which are their own, and they're mm-hmm. sort of cherry picking the best out of it and cramming it together into a rule set. And I really enjoy Legion, but Legion definitely feels like it's sort of cobbled together from the best parts of a lot of game systems, and then they streamlined it to make it work. Um, and I feel like a lot of games build on, and I used to have that as part of the introduction to this show. There are so many games out there that have learned from the mistakes of other game systems mm-hmm. and have capitalized on the things that worked well from game systems. It used to be everything was you go, I go all the time. Yeah, um, exactly and, right. and these days we don't see that much you go, I go because it's sort of fallen out of fancy. Um, mainly with the advent of, you know, alpha strike armies and, you know, trying to take your opponent's toys off before they have a chance of going, um, to, you know, preserve your own forces. Look, I get it. Um, but as you say, innovation, true innovation is relatively rare. Um, especially in the sales of card games. Yeah. Um, Everyone just tries to replicate the the booster pack situation because that's been so successful for so many years for magic for Yu-Gi-Oh for Pokemon Um, but honestly man every time there's a new CCG announced the back of my head I'm like I ain't touching that thing because that thing might have a year in it it might have three years in it exactly for the most part it's going to be dead within five years and I've spent however much money and there's no secondary value for these cards anymore and it and it really sucks so it's and and because so many people think like I do when it comes to that it's 
really hard to break into the market with the new CCG these days. Um, and that's why you see companies like FFG, they did the LCG model, which is when there's no booster packs, but you buy it. There's new pack of cards every month, which is a set number of cards, and they're all the same, and you buy that every month. That works great until you get to the second year of this game being out, and you want to tell my friend Brad, hey, come play um, come play Netrunner with me, Brad. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really cool because you have to buy booster packs, but I need you right now. You need to go spend $400 to catch up. And that's Ugh. the problem, you know, so that's, and that's the issue there. And then yeah. th- th- and they've realized that because you get to five years and it's really hard to get new players into the game. And then they started doing things like, oh, well, what we'll do is we'll rotate cards out to keep the card pool fresh and small. But then that actually goes against the principles of what they were doing mm-hmm. that for in the first place. So, um, yeah, yeah I, I think, I think Keyforge has a lot of potential and I think it could be really sweet, but that there's sounds a, cool, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah cool I definitely want to give it a look. Cause I mean, I, I only ever, I think I can safely say I only ever bought into and played one card game ever. And that was the original and God, I'm dating myself again. Um, <laughs> the decipher star Wars, star Wars game, game yes. the original one. Yeah. Um, so what was that? 95, 96. That was, yeah, it was, uh, maybe 97. Artist. Yeah, that was when Wizards first threw their weight around, too, if I remember correctly, because there was one year when, or what, not one year, there was one month where this, the Decipher card game outsold Magic. Yeah, and they hated that. And then that. apparently that's why Wizards ended up buying the license and killing it. Yeah, apparently. that is exactly yeah. why. So, yeah. And that was a great game. Yeah, man. It was it's a like fan, a, but they only the had the here, license. So really they only had the license, and back then it was just the original trilogy. So they only mm-hmm. had... The license for that and i think they ran out um but i mean i still remember being really excited being a kid you know university kid whatever in yeah. um new orleans and going to this baseball card shop and being like oh you have this game that i've been playing with my friend in boston whenever i go home um and i play occasionally with a friend here but using my cards and was like oh you have a box of the new hope box which was, mm-hmm. um, you know, a couple months old. And I was like, oh, I'll pick up a booster of that. And, it, you know, back then it was like one rare, a couple of in- uncommons, and a bunch of common cards in a box. And uh, when Just I, so you know, that hasn't changed. Yeah, well, <laughs> this box had five rare, or that booster pack that I opened had five rares and oh, okay. no uncommons, <laughs> and the rest of it was common. And I was like, wait a minute, there's five rares in this pack. Um, hey, can I get another pack of that and yeah. open it up? Same number of rares. And was like, I'll be right back. And I went yeah. and took every dollar I had out of my bank account because I was a poor college kid. And yeah. um, I ate noodles for a week because I bought <laughs> every pack in that, what was left in that box. And then I ended up trading um, because that was like when the internet first started, like with a ton of people around the country who played the Decipher game who were looking for the cards that I had like seven of. Um, mm. And it was like, oh, look, I got Chewbacca. You want Chewbacca? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, looking, I'm looking for Ben Kenobi. Let's talk yeah. shop. And yeah, it was just fun. But um, yeah. yeah, but I learned very quickly after that. I was like, I can't afford to do this. And that like that. And it made me sick that I had spent that much money, even though yeah. I'd gotten such a good deal. I just was like, this is not a game for someone with attention deficit disorder who is impulsive and is like, oh, yeah, I'll go buy that <laughs> thing. 
Uh, I have a hard enough time with miniatures, thank you very much. Yeah. Throw a collectible on top, and I'm done. So, yeah. yeah. But it, it's it's good to see innovation happening as well. Like, uh, like I, I spoke at length before about D&D yeah. and how it's an entry game. But the RPG market in the States is so big right now. So one of, one of the really cool games I also got to see was a, a small role-playing game from Renegade Game Studios called Kids on Bikes. Um, cool. And Kids on Bikes is basically like you can tell they they got the concept once Stranger Things blew up mm-hmm. because basically what it is is everybody plays like a, a, a kid, so a teenager, or you can play an adult in a small town in the 80s where strange things are happening. And it's very much, you know, Stephen King's It, like all awesome. that kind of stuff. But the cool thing about this game is, one, it's so simple. Like you have eight stats and character creation is pretty much as simple as, you, you know, you take one of the the D&D polyhedral set, so you D4, you D8, you D12, whatever. Um, cool. Are you are you really good at, you know, being charismatic? Cool. Your D20 is your charisma die. And what's the thing you're worst at? You're worst at being strong, so your D4 is your your strength die. So that's, that's all you need to know. That's so cool. you assign your die and that's it. The other cool thing about it is that everybody creates the setting in the town together, sort of like in a, you'd be familiar with this, I assume, as a teacher maybe, um, the sort of when you go around the circle and everyone says one sentence of a story. Yep. And you sort of do that and you create your town like in the history of it by doing that. So what's cool about this game is that it's accessible for people like you and me who are like, cool, uh, you know, maybe I miss role playing, mm-hmm. but I don't have, I can't commit to playing, you know, once a month for the next year and a half. Yeah. Um, this game very much lends itself to a one shot session where everybody contributes to the narrative and um, it's very simple to quick and quick to learn. And yeah. it's just, it's just really, really sweet. And it's like the small, the books may be like 30, 40 bucks, really, really cool, really well put together. Um, and just again, like sweet people that have played D and D, it's like, hey, do you want something a bit different along the same lines? It's it's really cool. I haven't really seen anything like it before, which is which is sweet. But um, I, I I got a copy of that while I was there because I oh, got to speak cool. to some of the people there. It's it. It's very sweet. Um, there's lots of really cool, interesting things happening in the industry. I think as it opens up wider to you know the younger audience and also a broader audience, sure. thanks to the popularization of things like Game of Thrones. You know, oh absolutely, because so many people like Game of Thrones. That means nerd stuff. That means I'm doing this. That means you've got all these new creative people that are coming mm-hmm. into this industry for the first time we're, we're seeing really interesting stuff happen which is which is great um and i saw the fallout uh tabletop war game did, did you, you heard about that yeah man the because modius modifius yeah. modifius yeah, yeah yeah so modifius um i've got a good relationship with because they are the publishing partner for white wolf and they're the people are that actually they? published yeah so the uh they actually won the silver any which is the role-playing game mm. awards that happens at Gen Con um, for uh, the Star Trek role-playing game. Because if anyone owns any books that are published by Modiphius, the um, the quality is just off the chain. And the, mm. the new the Star Trek game and the new Vampire are really no different. They're, they're beautiful books. But, yeah, they had two tables that were demoing the, um, the Fallout game. I didn't get a chance to try it, but mm. I stood there and watched both of them for, like, you know, maybe yeah. two hours total over the course of the four days. Uh, it looks really cool. Um, although I, the one thing that was really disappointing is that they had all these really cool, um, you know, Fallout style broken ruins and like the trucks that you see when you play Fallout with like the, uh, you know, that old that sort of, you know, mm-hmm. futuristic 50s vibe to them, like all this cool scenery. And I said to them like, oh, cool. We're like, when's, this, when's the scenery coming out? And they're like, oh, that's just for demo purposes. But... So I'm not sure if there's going to be actual scenery that you can buy to really go along with it, which is a bit disappointing. But the gameplay looked pretty cool. Yeah. Um, looked like low model count, looked interesting. But yeah, 
there's cool, cool stuff happening. Oh, that looks it's sensational. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I, look, that is a game when they originally did the, uh, I think, the Kickstarter for it or the pseudo Kickstarter to, to sort of get it out there. I really looked at it. It looked it was out of my price range at the time, but man, I love Fallout, and um, mm-hmm. I really enjoy the FFG board game, um, the the Fallout board game that you can play, yeah. and I think that really sort of gets sort of the feel of a lot of the the world exploring, and mm-hmm. but it, you you're not getting the combat really, not in that game, but in yeah. in in the in the game you're describing, the actual tabletop skirmish style mm-hmm. war or. Not war game so much as skirmish style game. Skirmish game, yeah. God, it looks good. Um, yeah. And I keep thinking, do I really need another? Because I'm, I'm going to be the. That will be a game system that if I buy into, it'll be like, oh, I'm not just going to go buy, you know, a Mister Gutsy and uh, an Explorer. <laughs> I'm going to want it all, and I'm just like, yeah. Ugh. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. Like how appealing games with small model counts are until mm-hmm. you end up buying five factions. So, what do you mean again, Malifaux? What do you mean? <laughs> Malifaux, yeah. What's the reason I'm just scared of Infinity? I haven't played a single game of Infinity yet, and I own models from three different factions. Right? Like yeah. it's just yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. No, man. But I, I, I love that we are getting games that are catering for our lifestyles. Um, you know, smaller model counts, or as as you say, the kids with bikes. I mean, it is designed to be more of a one-off gaming experience, but I'm sure that if you and your friends got together and you wanted to play, you know, you can't maybe commit to once a month, but you know that, oh, I want to play, and you sort of make your setting. Um, you could almost pull a Shermer, um, was it Shermer, Ohio? Why am I thinking? The John Hughes setting where all of his movies yeah. are set. Um, if you did that i mean you could do the same thing in a role-playing setting oh oh yeah. cool i just got a different set of kids who happen to be in the same town you've created mm-hmm. this town 100 oh, percent. yeah yeah you yeah. use using the same setting you make it like um castle rock for um, exactly for stephen king's universe you know mm-hmm. anything like that yeah no, or very cool. um miss Missatonic university for Miskatonic uh, Univ- uh, arkham for, yeah. yeah arkham for, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've been. Oh God, we've been listening to a lot of uh, Lovecraft li- recently, and it's just like, oh, Lis- listening. What's this? Yeah, audio books before bed. Uh, my wife oh. and my wife and I. So my, uh, I, I know a little while ago I posted a picture of um, the giant uh, Lovecraft compendium that I have. That's in hard, you know, it's leather bound mm-hmm. and beautiful book. And it happened to have it in the background of a photo, and everyone's like, oh, I love that book. It's yours. Blah blah. blah. I was like, that's actually my wife's. I gave it to her for Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, my wife's pretty rad, but she's always like, yeah let's listen to some Lovecraft before bed. And I'm like, uh, you know, yeah. some days, some days that's a great <laughs> idea. Yeah, and other days you're like, I'm not sleeping tonight. Um, mm. and not necessarily because it's scary, but because he, you know, it's evocative storytelling. And you're like, Oh, is he going to get away? Is the monster mm. going to get him? And you go, it's good. Yeah. Good or is he just going to go crazy and trailing away at the end? Like, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? That never happens. Um, no, 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 once. yeah. Mm. <laughs> But uh, it reminds me of games like in the, I mean, a long time ago, we had games like GURPS and it was more like you you created, it was by Steve Jackson Games and it was Mm -hmm. this role playing game that was designed as a rule set that you could put almost any skin on. The generic universal role playing system. That's it. That's it. I never remember that. But the only version of GURPS that I played religiously was the Car Wars, the auto duel version, which I hated the mechanics of and we only used for the universe. And then we played Car Wars using, like, we use it as an excuse to play Car Wars. But um, the horror, so we played GURPS horror 
tons. And this brings me back to Lovecraft because yeah. um, now listening to a lot of Lovecraft, I'm like, oh, I remember that. That was in that mission that I played. Oh, I remember that. That was in that adventure. But it was, I mean, by today's standards, incredibly, that version at least of GARPS was incredibly clunky. Um, and, you mm-hmm. know, you kind of had to, uh, I don't know, I'm not going to go look up how to do that. How about we floor up it? Um, and, it, you know, it involved a lot of the... I guess the dungeon master um, yeah. being well, sort of a narrative storyteller and making it up on the fly mm-hmm. um, more well, so than I guess today where the, we really have learned and the games are much easier and better to play. Well, I've got some great news for you, Brad, and it's going to sound like we planned this segue. But another great thing I saw at Gen Con, which again, I think will really appeal to you as like yeah. this, this newly discovered Lovecraft fan. I mean, because I newly discovered that you're a Lovecraft fan. Oh, yeah, yeah. But um, at the booth um, for uh, Chaosium, mm-hmm. which is the company that makes the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game, there's, yeah, a yeah. Lot of, there's a lot of different Cthulhu role-playing games because it's like an open license now. But the, oh, the one course, that is yeah. generally regarded as the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game is Chaosium. Chaosium. And there is a app now that you can buy, um, which is for the Call of Cthulhu, and they're kind of like a, a choose-your-own-adventure interactive storytelling game. So you, you read through and, and you choose your character, and your character has stats just like it does in the Call of Cthulhu game, in the what? role-playing game. And you will, whenever you, you know, it's like the... Um, Oh, you're probably a bit old for the goosebumps stuff, but you know the choose your own adventure. Like yeah. you know, you'll you'll and you'll come to a choice. Like, do you want to do this, this, or this? Um, but then it takes it a step further. If you want to do this, it's going to require this kind of role, and you press ah. it, and there's a, the in, inbuilt dice roller and all that, and you can actually play through these little adventures on your phone, right? But here's the next coolest thing. There is now, um, they sell on Steam the software they use to build those games. So any game master in the world can put their own story together using the art assets that Chaosium provide and upload it onto the library for this app. And anyone who plays it or buys it, they will get a cut of it. So you're going to have all these great storytellers and great narrative designers in the industry who are like, sweet, I've always wanted to do a little Cthulhu story. I can just do this really easy, blah, 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 over a few days, upload it. Like, hey, Brad, you should play my story. And, you know, it's, it's, it's so that cool. That is so is cool. Because, like, cool. it's really cool. Because it's, again, like, cool. I don't get to sit down and play role-playing games that much. I, yeah. I'd love to play a cool Cthulhu role-playing game. But I can't. So I'm going to play this one on my phone. And, you know, what me personally also scratches my itch is actually being the game master, the storyteller. So yeah. I can do that and put it out to the world and it's really really cool like that's bonkers exciting that is really yeah. cool and yeah. it's something i mean that uh, i could play with my wife um that, yeah exactly that would right be... you can start doing that before bed rather than listening to the, the ramblings of uh, what's his name on the uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, lovecraft yeah you be, yeah you can just do like a little lovecraft and you can you can read it to her and she can choose what's what's happening you know how good this would is that be good you know? this yeah, it's good. really good yeah Ooh, it, well, that, that really does sort of, it's like the digital version. Um, and I know we're jumping backward and forward in time a lot tonight, but the, yeah. just that those books, um, and I can't think of the name of them, but there was, Fighting um, fantasy. yeah, the fighting fantasy books. Was it yeah. even They've li- been re-released recently too. Yeah. 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 But there, there was car Wars versions. Um, yeah. there the was sci-fi ones. And yeah, the, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Dungeons and dragons did their own brand of it, of course, or TSR, I should say back in the day um Mm -hmm. i mean everyone was trying to get in on that money i mean steve jackson games did it for car wars because that was their big game back then but um you know some of them were incredibly well done and some of them were just blatant money grabs but until you open the package you could never tell um but yeah 
God, man, that would be so cool. Yeah, no, it's 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 really sweet, and it's so it's so everywhere now. And like last thing I'll talk about is the really cool thing I got to get do, which again is pretty role playing related, mm. but I think just really sums up what we're talking about in terms of community, in terms of the accessibility of games, in terms of how things are really broad. Is that um, uh, I got to go to a uh, attend a live recording of. Uh, a D and D game because um, mm-hmm. I'm fr- I'm friends with Joe Meganello because that's oh. exciting. You know? yeah, name so drop, I, hey. yeah, yeah, I know. Name yeah. So <laughs> J- Joe was at Gen Con releasing his uh, clothing line, and he said to me like, "Hey, do you have tickets to go see this Critical Role thing tomorrow?" I said, "No, I don't." He said, "Just meet me there. I'll let you in. I'll introduce you everybody." So that was great. That's um, awesome. So I got to go into that, and I sort of watched this, and they were they were there to do this. Uh, it was a live stream to launch a Kickstarter for this company called Dwarven Forge, which makes like terrain, really cool looking terrain. I I've seen the documentary. The yeah. yeah, well, you probably have. Yeah, so it's really, really cool, and they're releasing the new thing. So basically, they got they got Joe, um, they got the guys from Critical Role, Matt and Liam. Mm-hmm. They got, um, oh, I think Peter. Peter Edison or Patrick like I feel really bad for forgetting his name because he mm. owns Gen Con and he did own Wizards of the Coast at one point I'm blanking on his name lovely mm. older gentleman um, and they got Satine Phoenix who um, is now the uh, community manager for Wizards of the Coast for D&D oh, um, cool. and they got all these people together and they just played through this um, this scenario and um, Nate uh, who's the guy from Dwarven Forge who was running it mm-hmm. um, it was just and it was just silly and it was fun and everyone got amongst it and I was just looking at this really diverse group of people who were also like varying degrees of celebrity playing mm-hmm. fucking Dungeons and Dragons I'm sorry for cursing no, that's all right. it's just like what is happening in the world? We yeah. live in such and 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 actually, literally, when I was sitting there taking my notes because I was got to sit in the front row and watch this all happening, I literally did think of the start of Cast Dice when you say we are living in a gaming renaissance because nothing could really be more true right now. I yeah. think it's it's really good and uh, yeah, it's 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 really really spicy and it's a really good time it to be is. a nerd. Yeah, it is, and uh, I I sort of pulled myself back from going to CanCon. Um, I. I did quite well at a CanCon bolt action event years ago, um, and I, I really didn't like the way it made me feel. Um, it reminded me too much of when I was playing 40k to win, and um, I did. I just I did not enjoy it, and so I've sort of pulled back. But going to Moab last year was sort of like the grand return of me going out in public again, um, <laughs> and I was like, oh look, the sun. Um, but it was wonderful to see those people and to be part of a larger gaming community and drinking at the pub with, you know, all my old buddies. Um, and it was just like, why am I not doing this more? Um, and so I'm hoping to get up to CanCon this year coming up and that mm-hmm. the, I've, I have a standing invite for, uh, Adepticon with a couple game companies cause my mm. old GW buddies now work in other places and I'm thinking, God, man, Chicago, I, yeah, yeah, that would be Chicago, yeah. and of course, what time of year is it? There, um, I missed it by like literally three days this year. Um, I think it's April. Um, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, and I it's was like going springtime. Yeah, I was going back for my yeah. grandma's hundred and fifth wedding. Oh, sorry, hundred and fifth birthday, and was like, whoa, okay. Yeah. Going, this is going to be awesome. And then I was like, I'm just going to go a couple days early. Um, <laughs> it's going to be great. And then no. Nah. Yeah. Like it just didn't. I couldn't get it to work. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I was like, oh, 
I would love to go. That would be great. And so, yeah. I know this is predominantly a wargaming podcast, and I have been spamming about Gen Con in Indianapolis. But I guarantee you, though, Gen Con's great. But if you want to do wargaming, uh, Chicago is a much nicer city to visit than Indiana, <laughs> Indianapolis, the, right? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, the food's yeah. pretty damn good, and the people uh, yeah. are excellent. Um, yes. I, I went to a sh- I went to God three Chicago GTs back in the day, um, uh, and man, I never made it out of. The hotel, um, because you would go in and it was it was the same sort of format and you would go and they would put you in your room and, you know, you would then go downstairs and play and drink and do your thing and make merry. Uh, I had a wonderful time um, every time I went. Um, but because I hung out with a lot of the GW guys, they would always bring the food in. Um, they would have All food right. like it was before the days of Deliveroo and whatnot, but they knew friends and the friends who would come play um, in these events would bring like a truck, you know. Here are four deep dish Chicago style pizzas from the best place there is. Here is this thing. And we would just sit there and eat. And, you know, because I was hanging out with the guys or I was staff at that point, it was like, food, let's go. And the food is so good. Anyway, um, yeah. preaching to the choir. This is not a food, food podcast, but no. Um, no. <laughs> I definitely need to get to Adepticon. Um, and God, man. I was weirdly, um, a girl I went to high school with, um, she went to three separate schools I went to. She also jumped from school to school to school, and we just always were running parallel schools. Um, And years later, we caught up on Facebook, and a week into us, like, being quote-unquote friends again on Facebook... She was, at, she was at Gen Con with her husband and, oh, really? and their kids. <laughs> and I was like, I messaged her and I was like, why are you at Gen Con? Like, <laughs> the hell? And she was like, oh, yeah, I forgot you like games. And I was like, yes. Yeah, and yeah. she's like, yeah, so <laughs> I married a gamer and we play games. And she takes her sons there every year. She's got, yeah. I think, a son in grade six and a son in grade four or something. And um, they've been to Gen Con, I think... Her sons have been to Gen Con um, almost every year of their life. And it's just, it's just that community atmosphere that you were talking about before. Sorry, coming. No, that's all right. Um, but yeah. I, I just think, I mean, that is a wonderful atmosphere that I definitely need to be a part of at some point. Yeah. Because, like, honestly, yeah. just if you just, if you do get to Gen Con, just don't really plan anything. Maybe oh, yeah. if, you, if, if there's an event you want to play, make it one event that you choose ahead of time. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, just experience it, look around, play some demos, meet some people. The, 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 the hall is open 24 hours. The other weird, eclectic thing about the people that go to Gen Con, like, 40 years in a row or whatever is a lot of these people don't even have any accommodation <laughs> they what? literally stay up all night or they sleep in the convention hall or it's like hey yeah we've got a hotel room it's a two two bedroom hotel room there are nine people staying there <laughs> like they're just there are people that I, I met that are just like i'm like oh who are you staying with this is like day one. Oh, i don't know yet uh i'll figure it out soon you know it's uh yeah i'll probably meet some people I'll stay with whoever you know like oh that's so stressful but you know it's, <laughs> it's, it's, they are hardcore man like and it's 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 a really strong and the place is open all the time so there's always something to do it's really oh, good so amazing. definitely get over just try and just just breathe in gaming in general like it's yeah yeah oh all right mm-hmm. well brian it has been awesome talking man i think uh that i think that may be us this fine evening but mm-hmm. um damn man it's been good just talking shop and talking the gaming industry and sort of uh tiptoeing down a few tangential mem- memory paths but before we go there is one last thing we need to talk about Yes. Rogue Trader. 
A rogue trader, right. Yeah, so yes. I nearly started talking about that earlier, right? Rogue yes. trader. Or so, kill team, yeah. Yeah, for kill team. But it's not just for kill team anymore, is it? No, so, it's so, not. I don't... <laughs> so let me do a quick preamble here. Yeah. Games Workshop um, has been very successful, successful, successful with, kill, with, kill, with kill team. And they even before kill team dropped, we pictures of this thing that, looked, that was called Rogue Trader. And it looked like another... A Games Workshop board game, uh, and they've done a, a, a number of these very successful board games um, where you get some great um, single pose models that are sort of push fit together, and you play these, you know, these games, and they're sort of aimed for the Barnes and Noble crowd. Well, this is not that game. This is actually an expansion for Kill Team, and it is ship to ship or ship boarding type combat, um, or you know, shipboard combat, I should say. Uh, and it is a rogue trader and her retinue defending the ship against um, chaos tainted. I think it's called Gellersick um, because they always call it the Gellerpox Ge infected. Yes, that's really. right. Yeah. Because the Geller field is what protects you from the warp if you are, you know, big on your 40k fluff. And mm -hmm. so if the Geller field fails, like people become possessed. And so on one hand, you have this retinue of really cool looking, weird naval dressed, There's eclectic models. Just call yeah. them space pirates. Space man. pirates. Space. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> with a dog. Awesome. Yeah, space pirates with a dog. Versus, um, you know, freaky, a demon possessed mutants um, that have like three heads and giant distended bellies with mouths coming out of them. Like it's really, or like a furnace burning inside of one of them. Those yeah. models are so cool. Yeah, all the models in this set look great, obviously. Yeah. GW is still, still king, uh, king of God, the model. Yes. Mm. But they've come out saying that, you know, they are going to come out with a full 40K codex or at least mini decks for rogue traders. They, they, come, in the, they come in the box. What, the 40K rules? Yeah. What? Those codexes come in the, oh, in that's the, awesome. the box. Yeah. Did, now, I, I, as a kid, you know, when I was playing um, 40K, and I guess I wasn't a kid so much as, as I was in high school at that point. But anyway, um, the guy who I played 40K with in Boston, I had one friend who played, and we played it a lot. Um, Jason, one of the first big games we played, we played a ton of little skirmishes, but we finally had our forces painted up and we had this giant eclectic pile of models because you, the only stockists you could go to in Boston would have like random assortments of blisters and an occasional box. It wasn't like what you have now and you couldn't order online. Um, no. and we were like, okay, so we had this weird ass mix of models. Um, and I happened to have the rogue trader box of space Marines. So I had, you know. I have a space marine army. Um, and he had this wild mix of like squats and like he had the, the halfling cook and like chaos space <laughs> marines. And it was all like metal blisters he'd kit bash together to make like this weird space fleet for a rogue trader, like a, a rogue trader gone bad. And that was his thing. And we set up a dining room table. We put up walls. Um, I spent forever building this thing. And in retrospect, it probably looked terrible. But um, <laughs> it was, look, it looked impressive at the time. Yeah. Um, but we did this giant shipboarding thing, and my Space Marines um, boarded through the landing bay, and we tried to take the bridge. And my last Space Marine died. Um, 
took there was that goddamn heffling cook with a needle pistol shot my space marine in the head and killed him or that's the narrative we went with but he shot and killed my <laughs> nerve when he was about to kill the captain and win the game and it was the mo- it was the one of the first games i ever played that came down to the last roll and i went oh my god how can i do more of this like <laughs> gaming like this this is like fantastic and we played for like 4 hours to play that game um but it was that shipboard battle. It was that narrative-driven play. And it was it was so formative for me as a gamer that that experience, I still like remember it fondly. And I see Jason every time I go home. And we talk about that game and games we had like it all the time. And now it's... And I know there's been ship battles and um, the Horus Heresy rules... Um, it's got some funny Latin name and I know it probably made its way into 40 K, but the fact that we can get this for kill team. Yeah. With the kill team rules. Right. Yeah, solid. And, and you can put them in 40 K. And the way they've done it with, well, you can play them in 40 K, which is cool. It's a cool little add on. I'm not entirely sure how that's going to work Yeah, right. because it's like, these are like 10 models that you're going to have to buy five of this. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. But it's cool. Cause the, the ship, but like what Brad is describing is like the, the board that you play on in this version of kill team is like the interior of a ship. And it looks almost like space Hulk when it you've got does. like the doors and the little walls, mm-hmm. all the new Necromunda looks like that too, which is why so many people, when they were teasing these images were like, what the hell is this? Yeah. Um, but they functionally, they are just different kill zones, which in kill team is the, the, the word mm-hmm. for the, the area in which your kill teams are doing battle. Um, and so they, they can fit really nicely back and forth and yes the answer is you can play whatever models you want in the in the ship you don't have to do awesome. your rogue trader versus your mutants you can if you've got a space marine kill team and i've got a gene stealer kill team we can play on the ship because it is, is it is just another kill zone with its own separate rules so um very 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 cool stuff like i'm really excited for kill team i'm still yet to play it the terrain that comes in the kill team box this new gw terrain mm-hmm. is really really good modular as hell looking really spicy um and i want to i want to play this game because i i I, i'm uh not to poo-poo anyone but like i the current 40k while it is better than the last one it's still not my cup of tea but i love the 40k lore i I love exploring that world and being able Mm -hmm. to do it within you know 45 minutes to an hour with my friend on a on a table where neither of us have to stand up and ruin mm-hmm. our lower backs sounds really cool and um additionally we uh we're receiving our first little box of organized play support for it mm-hmm. this week so coming up soon i hope you can free up a sunday afternoon or a sunday yes. afternoon sometime brad to come down and win yourself some cool swag so yeah very excited well i'm very gonna cool. hold you to that because in a two weeks i'm gonna be on school holidays and oh, i'm yeah. gonna be you're gonna be in the shop i'm gonna be in the shop and yeah, we're, we're gonna, gonna play, play some games, games because yeah, i'm um, so excited i have i have a ton of painted 40k models that i don't have to paint that's perfect and um warlord games made it uh like a, a one-off battle mat for their terminator game way back when um, yeah. made out of beautiful mouse pad material and it just oh, happens sweet. to be one inch difference from the kill team Ooh, that's and good. Yeah. um warlord recently cleared them from their warehouse and sold them for like five pounds each um how many do you have uh uh four Okay, that's a good number. So, um, hashtag, I've never played this game, but I got four mats for it. Um, So, um, yeah, I think uh, between um, our terrain collection and our model collection... Uh, it and given that we both own the rules, I think it's ridiculous that we haven't played this. Um, yeah, and I think we may have to talk about this on a future episode of Cast I, Ice. I'd love to come back on, man. It's been great. 
Yeah, man, right on. Well, mm-hmm. I think uh, that is a perfect segue for us to say good evening. Uh, Brian, man, again, thank you. I know we've talked about you coming on this cast forever. and For a while, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And more to the point, man, um, we really can't, like, w- communities can't survive or thrive, do any of the things that really matter and grow unless, you know, it, it's really hard without people like you. Um, and it, it, I say from the bottom of my heart, um, the number of people that came and thanked me for running bear, um, and events like it. Um, and I, I literally kept saying, yep, you know, (laughs) good games made it possible, man. Thank Brian, you know, go, go over there. He's over there. Go talk, go do that thing. Um, because you, you have, you're doing the good Lord's work and you are really helping us out, um, just build that community which is, as we've talked about over and over again in this episode, so important um, to the survival of not just a gaming community, but us as gamers as a community. I mean, Gen Con is so important because it's organized. Um, And without you, we wouldn't have stuff like that at the local level, man. So to you and to those like you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, that means a lot, man, but I hope you know it's definitely a symbiotic relationship. While it'd be great for us to constantly organize things if we don't have people like you to really push people into it. And uh, Sorry, that sounded really bad. No, that's all right. <laughs> if, we don't, if we don't have people like you to really encourage folks and bring them along yeah. and, and ask to run these events, then it, it wouldn't happen either. So it's definitely hand-in-hand, hand and I'm more than happy to work with you, man. I'm just a schmuck with a microphone, as I yeah. say all the time. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. um, ladies and gentlemen, uh, as always, if uh, you are playing the games that we have been talking about tonight regardless if it's a role-playing game whether it's a tabletop war game be it a card game it doesn't matter no matter what uh, we hope that your beverages stay cold we hope your luck rolls hot and more than anything else we hope that you are having fun this is cast ice saying good night
Stare down the snakes 